Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Walking Bucket. I don't know what episode we're at, but you know the drill. I'm here on a big night for the Nets, a big night for Kyrie with a happy Ezra. How are you doing, Ezra? I'm doing well. I'd characterize myself as relieved more than happy, although I have some happy feelings inside. Hopefully the Nets can keep this win streak going, this win streak of one, but I'm glad to be back in uh, another episode of The Walking Bucket. Yes, when you're in the the play-in areas right now, especially in the tight 7 through 10 Eastern Conference, you take what you can get. You definitely can, especially after losing 17 of 20. Well, that's why we're, we're, we are relieved here. It's been fun times in the NBA. We're talking just before we started recording that the play in tournament has led to some exciting times to end the season when in the past, maybe it wouldn't have been. So with that, we have our walking bucket to start the episode. Who you, who do you have for your walking bucket? I have Jason Tatum. Um, I watched him dog my team this week dropped 50 bomb on the nets he shot the ball ridiculously well looked unguardable similar to last season in the playoffs when he went off on the nets um but overall had a good week nba player of the week eastern conference um and the standout game against the nets who do you have i have spencer dinwiddie hell yeah spencer dinwiddie shooting 47 percent from three since he came to the Mavs he's taken in his last two games he had 36 against Sacramento and then 23 against Utah he has only missed two free throws in his last four games and he took 13 in one game so he's been 92 percent from the line 44 percent from three and 49.2 percent from the field and he's given us another added punch. He's been able to get to the lane, hitting all kinds of threes from everywhere on the floor. And it's always fun to be wrong. It's good to be pessimistic about trades, your teams. And then when they surprise you, you can be happy. It's nice to have low expectations and it's good to be wrong. But Spencer has been fun. You've been telling me for years he's fun. So I'm coming around. I'm, on, I'm getting on the Spencer bandwagon. You know I love that. You know I love when Spence plays well. He's a likable guy also, especially when he's on your team. It's amazing what knowing your role can do for a basketball player. I mean, he said in many different ways that he didn't know what his role was in Washington, really didn't fit there, tried to be a leader, didn't work out, kind of got kicked out the door, and now he's balling right away in the small ball on the small ball map. So, you know, I love to see that. He's really honest with the media too, which is cool. He says mm-hmm. things that I don't really expect many players to say. For instance, they asked if we're looking at the standings and they always say like, no, I'm not looking at the standings. It's the next game. And he goes, yes, we really want home court advantage. We'll see what happens. We haven't really gotten to the last five to eight games of the year when teams purposely start losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hopefully no fines get dished out, but it's really fun. 13.5 points for his career. And he's, he's been way more than that. 21 against the Knicks and we're playing the Knicks. He averages 21 against the Knicks. So I'm excited that we're playing the Knicks tomorrow. And I think that'll lead us into our our first segment of the night. 
which was spurred by many conversations about what the heck is going on with the Knicks. So we wanted to take a look and see if there have been any other seasons like this in the last 10 years where a team just is really disappointing out of nowhere. Any thoughts before we get going on any teams that stood out? Yeah, well, at first I'll just break down the Knicks from last year to this year, um, just so everyone has context. Last year, they were basically the surprise of the year. They were 41-31 to shorten 72-game season. Obviously, COVID year, weren't fans in Reno's for most of the year, if not all the year. Um, they were first in defensive opponents' points per game. Their key guy, Julius Randle, was averaging 24-10-6 and six on 41% from three. Um, so overall, a surprisingly solid year for the Knicks. Um, and they bet on themselves. They spent, I think, $80 million in cap on role players to to refresh the bench and guys around Julius Randle and just hasn't fully panned out for them at all. I mean, we'll start with Julius Randle. He's not having nearly as good of a year as last year. He's averaging 20, 10, five, similar stats, but he's shooting 30% from threes. So that's 10 percentage points less than last year. And this stat you shared with me last week, he's shooting the worst in the league from outside the paint. So that just goes to show he's taking poor shots and the leader of the team is not living up to the standards that he was in last year. This year, they're 27 and 38 and they're 16th in the league in defensive rating. So stark turnaround from last year, especially with a guy like Thibs at the helm. Um, so there's the context for the Knicks and a good spark for a conversation. One of the shocking turnarounds. Oh, well, shocking if you ask Nick fans. For others, it may not be as shocking. Yes, we talked a lot last year about how the Knicks' defense was was good, and it was Tibbs' defense, but also they had one of the lowest opponent three-point percentages in the league. I don't have the stats in front of me, but a lot of times there's a big luck factor involved in that. You have to be good to get close to having the lowest three-point percentage. So they were definitely a good defensive team. However, to be the number one in opponent three-point percentage, you usually require a bit of luck. So maybe the luck turned, and it's been frustrating. So let's see if what we think of, if there's any more disappointing teams. It, now they're really – it'll be really interesting to see where they go from here, and Julius Randle will be in every trade rumor. For the next few years now so right who who do you want to talk about first for a team of the last 10 years that that had a disappointing turnaround yeah so i think i'm going to go with the nets in 2013 2014 um a lot of excitement around the organization moving to brooklyn the year before they made at the time a blockbuster trade for paul pierce kevin garnett jason terry to match with Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, and Brooke Lopez. They were all the hype for at least Nets fans. Um, they had the fifth highest title odds that year. And they ended up making the playoffs. They beat the Raptors in the first round. Game seven, Paul Pierce had a block on Kyle Lowry, which made me cry a bit, I'll admit. Um, but then they, after sweeping the heat in the regular season series, lost four to one in the second round. 
and never were the same after that. Paul Pierce didn't come back the next year, and they had a losing record where six games under 500, and the entire trade fell apart after that. So I think, at least from my perspective, it was one of the biggest. And at the time, I think the national media um, basketball pundits thought the Nets could be decent, especially their their odds showed it preseason. Um, but they did not expect them to be six games over 500 going to the playoffs and losing to the Heat 4-1 in the second round. So pretty big disappointment and in the spotlight for the Nets that season. Yep, definitely one of the big ones of the last. I think that was the biggest trade for a while. That was talked about all the time, and it mm-hmm. was held over Nets fans for a while, and there's a rule because of that trade that right. you can't trade consecutive first-round picks anymore because it destroyed the Nets' future for a while. But it was on my honorable mentions list only because I think looking back, it's not viewed as poorly as it was in the moment mm-hmm. because we now have more vision or hindsight into – I think KG was kind of cooked at that point. Right. Like – right. Looking back, yeah, they traded for Paul Pierce and KG, and they were good. But if we take the hindsight 2020 view, like KG was got injured in Boston, and he was really a, sh- a shell of himself at that point. So it's the roster is crazy, and all the Hall of Famers, but maybe the expectations were unfair right. a little bit too. Definitely agree. Who do you have? I also I so the one I want to go with is kind of like a two-year ordeal, and it's the Portland Trailblazers. So from the year I'm trying, it's my computer's loading, but they won 51 games with the last year of Lamarcus Aldridge. Then they won 44 games, and then they went 500 in a two-year span, and. I think Neil O'Shea went from that point in time until just now when he got fired as one of the worst GM jobs ever. For mm-hmm. like six years, they had Dame and CJ. They let Wesley Matthews and Nicholas Batum go, LaMarcus Aldridge go, and all three of those guys are still in the league and contributing a ton. And Nicholas Batum and Wesley Matthews would have been really, really good next to Dame and CJ, but they basically kept the same roster and they just progressively got worse and worse. So in 2016-17, they went 41-41. and They were 24th in defensive net rating and 11th in offensive net rating. The over-under for them that year was 45.5 preseason odds, and they finished at 41, so well below. The season before, they were 44 and 38, and they were 20th in defensive net rating and sixth in offensive rating. And then the year before that, when they were 51 and 31 in 2014, 2015, they were ninth in offensive rating and 10th in defensive rating. So we always talk about if you're in the top 10 in both, you're probably a title contender, right? So their preseason over-under in 2014-2015 was 49 games, and they were top 10 in both. They were top 10 in 
points per game and 12th in opposing points per game. And they lost in the first round that year too. And then they just went down and down and down. And it's now we're still here with Dame and just a whole disappointing five years that I think started in 2014, 2015, when we had this big idea of, wow, Dame could be like the next big star in the league. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And now his loyalty has essentially become a meme on, on social media. I mean, it's the same disappointment year after year. Uh, they have big wins. The, the win against the Thunder um, a few years ago, Paul George and Russell Westbrook, when Dame hit the, the deep bomb in game five, you think that maybe that they, that they have something going for them. But like you said, it's, it's been a consistent struggle to make it deep in the playoffs with the guys they've had. And respect their – they had to move on at some point, and this year was the year. Um, Dame said he knew it was coming. CJ, I'm sure, knew it was coming, but disappointing run for Damon CJ. All right. Who do you have next? I next have another team that was loaded with superstars and had high expectations. This is also kind of a three-year run. This I have the Lakers, 2012-2013 uh, Lakers. So in 2011-2012, they – made the finals or Western conference semis. They were first seed uh, overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they had Bynum, Kobe. Um, they still had Pau Gasol and Derek Fisher. So solid year in 2011, 2012. And then they made the, they got Dwight Howard and Steve Nash that next year in 2012, 2013, they had the second highest title odds going into the year, um, which is pretty crazy. And they ended up finishing seventh in the Western Conference. In the playoffs, they played the second seed Spurs and got swept. So if you remember Sports Illustrated beginning of the year with Nash, Dwight, Kobe, um, it looked scary for the rest of the league, but it ended up being a, a complete botch and Dwight ended up leaving the next year. Um, so I think that was one of the, one of the biggest surprises. And then the year after that in 13, 14, they didn't make the playoffs and had a significant losing record. I think Kobe got hurt that year, if I'm not mistaken, but they still had Pau Gasol, um, Steve Nash and Kobe. So quite the turnaround from being first seed in the West to not making the playoffs in two years. Yep. I had them on my list too. And it's a theme with the Lakers. So we had the Carl Malone, joining the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe on mm. in the end of their run. And when it was disappointing, they were the lock to win the finals. Then we had this team all over Sports Illustrated. I had them on my list too. And then we have this year. Indeed we do. It's all full circle. It's the Lakers go-to move though. Let's get the stars. We're in LA, glitz and glamour. But I don't, it's, it's crazy how, I think we will continue to see a Sports Illustrated cover over and over again. We will. So yeah. I only have, I have one left on my list mm -hmm. and I will go with the 2011, 2012 Dallas Mavericks. 
So this was fresh off the 2011 NBA Finals championship run. Mavs were 57 and 25 that year. Won the won the title, obviously. Beat the Blazers. Beat Kobe. Beat the Thunder with Harden and Durant and Westbrook, and then beat the Heat with the first year of LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, and then. We were the seventh seed the next year. We were 36 and 30 in a lockout year, and we lost in the first round. And I believe until recently, for the longest time, the Mavs were the worst defending champion team. So the worst team the season after they won the title in NBA history, like one of the worst. And it, it started immediately after. We let a bunch of guys go. Kid Jason Kidd got old, Sean Marion got old, Dirk was still good, but we let it was just a deep, de- steep decline, and we're still we still haven't won a first round playoff series since. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Well, here's to hoping this year's the first one. I know it's, for real. It's looking decent as of right now, but you never know. Never know. I'm I still have low expectations. It's been good for me to have low expectations. Yeah. It's what you said at the beginning. Don't don't change it. I think we're gonna win a playoff series, though. I'm fairly confident. <laughs> who who would you be playing right now in the first first round? Playoff you, started. Utah, and we would be the five, and they would be the four mm. by a half game. Likely will change. We have one game left against them too. Hmm. I was just saying earlier, I think the standings will change significantly. They do over the course of 17 games. I mean, you look at the Eastern Conference 17 games ago, and the Nets were three seed, I'm pretty sure. So a lot can change. Obviously, there's not hopefully not something drastic with injuries that happens to shake up standings like we saw past 20, 30 games, but you never know what can happen. Teams can right. get hot and start losing. You never know. Definitely. So the teams above the Mavs, for instance. So Utah has the seventh hardest schedule in the NBA. Denver's right behind the Mavs, and they have the eighth hardest schedule in the NBA. The Warriors have the ninth hardest schedule in the NBA, who are right ahead of Utah. And then the Mavs have the the second, the third easiest. So hopefully we beat who we're supposed to and the other teams lose to their harder opponents. Yep. All All right. right. So we can move on to some of our other topics. We have a couple storylines from past couple weeks that we think would be interesting to discuss. First one's one of our favorites, one of our, our favorite, at least discussion points in the NBA, maybe, Definitely not one of our favorite players, DeAndre Jordan. He recently signed with the 76ers after being bought out by the Lakers. We had the line set up as how many teams has DeAndre Jordan quit on in the last five years? And when was the last time he was good? What are your first thoughts? I think that in looking at his career breakdown, He's quit on, so he quit on the Mavs once before already. He quit on the Mavs twice. (laughs) So he quit on the Mavs when he said he was going to sign with them. 
and then he didn't. And then in Dallas in 2018-2019, he had no interest in being on our team. You could clearly try. He, you could clearly see he wasn't really trying. He was annoyed when Luca was getting rebounds in his rookie year. If he wasn't getting a block or he wasn't getting a dunk or he wasn't getting a rebound, it was walking up and down the court. Not He was stuck in quicksand. So there's one for sure. I think he probably quit on the Lakers. I mean, excuse me, the Clippers at the end too when they had their issues with Blake and Chris Paul. And then he went to the Knicks and he only played 19 games that year. So I can't imagine that he was fully healthy. But then we get to Brooklyn in 2019, 2020. So what are that's where you come in. Do you think he quit on, on Brooklyn then? Hard to tell if he quit. I think he was just bad, to be quite honest. Um, lazy. Played drop coverage on every pick and roll possible. Maybe by design, but quite ineffective. And he would poach buckets from James Harden uh, after that trade. But before the trade, he was... He struggled even more because he didn't have a guy to toss him the lob. So I think Harden helped him a little bit. But I think he just was not good anymore. So it seemed it may have seemed like he quit, but I think he just was not good. Um, we ended up dumping him for four second rounders to the Pistons so that he could be bought out, which honestly worth it from the Nets perspective, looking back on it. Some would argue against it, but saved some money and got rid of him but i think the nets decided he was not good enough for the team anymore rather than him quitting but maybe his ineffectiveness he lost some playing time to jared allen and nick claxton early on so that may have had something to do with it not definitely not an effective player in brooklyn though he definitely um has a lot of friends in the league mm-hmm. that he has somehow convinced that he's still good i think once he left Dallas and got came back and went to Brooklyn, we transitioned from did he quit to how many people still, for some reason, have convinced themselves that he's good. Or he's going to be a presence inside. The Lakers were like, he's going to be like our JaVale McGee, Dwight <laughs> Howard, one-two punch. And that didn't work out. And I think Philly has convinced themselves that he will be helpful. On a on a Lakers podcast before this year, there's a there's always a, a a famous quote that goes around Nets Twitter. I don't know if it makes its way around other NBA Twitter, but this Lakers podcaster says the Lakers will be perfect, or the DeAndre Jordan will be perfect for the Lakers system. The Nets just didn't use him right on the defensive end. His length and athletic ability will be perfect for the Lakers. So, I think that perception is. People watch highlights of his Clipper days and catching lobs from James Harden. They think, wow, he's he's a solid big guy that could play a backup role. Unfortunately, highlights don't tell the whole story. It's very interesting because when you were describing that Lakers podcast, my mind shifted from DeAndre Jordan to Josh Richardson. And mm-hmm. I think we finally have exited, exited the team talks themselves into Josh Richardson being a great defensive 
wing and scorer for them. Mm-hmm. I think he finally is in the San Antonio small market abyss. And now we can just focus on DeAndre Jordan. Oh, <laughs> no, though, I we'll see. He's, he's going to have to get some minutes for the Sixers. And I highly doubt his career gets rejuvenated here in Philly. Um, but it, it'll be interesting. He actually, I was watching the game last night and he had, he had a block and Sixers fan was sitting at the TV. He said, wow, that's exactly what you're supposed to be here for. And I was, I was kind of surprised, but didn't get many minutes. So he didn't have a chance to show his true basketball ability, but I'm looking forward to that moment when I'm watching with a Sixers fan, they get frustrated by his lack of energy and effort. Do you think he's going to be more useful than Millsap? Yes. Millsap is washed. I tend to agree. Washed. He should be out of the league and retired, unfortunately. No disrespect, but. He had a good run. He had a good run. He did. And he didn't quit on any teams. And I think. Every fan base he played for, maybe minus Brooklyn, will say positive things about him. Or you think he quit on Brooklyn? He did quit on the Nets and defended it this morning on Twitter, but otherwise didn't quit on any teams. He was a trooper in in Atlanta and Denver. and I think those fan bases probably like him. Mm -hmm. You run into trouble. You run into trouble when you ring Chase and you're not very good. (laughs) If he wasn't extremely bad at this point of his career, I'd probably dislike it, but I'll give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. <laughs> All right. So I think we could transition over to a classic segment, contenders or pretenders. And I think this really um, comes into play because of the recent surge of, of the Celtics. Mm. Do you, do you think they're legit? Are they just a sleeper or are they a full on contender? What are your thoughts there? I think they are a second-tier contender. I think they really do have the potential to be make a championship run. They had the second-best defensive rating in the league, but they had the 16th-best offensive rating in the league. That Some of that could come with recent successes. They weren't that great on offense early in the year and have gotten better at defense. That, so that's my real area of concern. I trust – Jason Tatum more than I have in the past to provide a lot of scoring for them. Um, I didn't realize I was looking at his stats, though, that he shot 33% from three this year, which really isn't good. You would never be able to tell when he's playing the Nets because he shoots over 60% every time. So that was a surprise to me. But I do think that they have a genuine opportunity to come out of the East. I would be interested. I think they beat the Bucs. To be honest, the Bucs haven't been playing well. I think they really would be able to defend Giannis well. Um, Sixers and Nets, I think, would be a quite an interesting series. So last, that... year they, last year they were solid, but they really struggled against the Nets with two guys the whole time. Um, so I don't – I think it's like a second tier, potentially, depending on matchups, I think they can make a run at the finals. Fair. So when you say second tier, who is in your your first tier? And is there anyone else in the second tier with them? So it's it's hard to tell. I think the Sixers are in the first tier for me. Um, The Bucks are borderline. It depends what team for them shows up. 
Uh, they're still waiting for Brooke Lopez to come back. Heat are in my second tier. I don't think they're a true contending team. The Nets are also on the borderline for me. Depends what they look like. I think you can never rule out KD and Kyrie, but also we don't know what they look like. So I think the one true solidified contender for me in my eyes is the Sixers right now. And it wouldn't surprise me if they lose. So it's pretty open, which is fun. There's no like 100% Cavs warriors or whatnot. So I was going to say it's more open than it has been in recent years. Um, after the last Warriors championship, when KD went to the Nets, it became a lot more open. Definitely. Yeah, I think I – I don't know how I feel about Boston. But I think that they're more – they're really battle-tested. Like, they've been to a couple Eastern Conference finals with this main squad. The one thing that concerns me is that Al Horford has to play, like, really well. And he has been. I think they rely on him a lot. And how how long is he going to last? Because it looked like he was washed. Was that sit? Is are people going to really enjoy this sitting out a year thing like he did in OKC? Is that it could go one of two ways? You could be like mm-hmm. him, or you could be still sitting out like John Wall. Right. So I, I agree. One team that we didn't mention in either of your tiers is Chicago. Mm. Are they contenders, pretenders in your eyes? Pretenders, full-on pretenders. They're 0-12 against their own 14 against the first three seeds in each conference. I don't trust DeRozan. Never have trusted DeRozan to lead a team to a finals, and I don't trust Levine next to to lead a team to a finals. So full-on pretenders in my eyes. How about you? I think that it'll be interesting to see if they get Caruso and Lonzo back before – the playoffs to play a little bit, but I don't, I wouldn't take them over the Nets, the Celtics, the Sixers. I should, I won't take them over the Bucks, but it wouldn't surprise me if they beat the Bucks or the Heat, but they've been mm. really bad recently on like. I just, it wouldn't surprise me. I think they're in that, the bottom end of the tier below. The so, second tier. Yeah, but I don't, I wouldn't, they're not, they're still in the mix, but I don't think they have a legitimate chance. What's the deal with Lonzo? I have no idea. Okay. I should have checked, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. I was really excited to watch a lot of them during, at the beginning of the year. And since, those guys got hurt. I didn't watch them as much. All right, let's go to the West quickly. Do you think – what are your thoughts on Denver? Do you think they're sleepers legitimately or we just have no idea? Well, I don't think you could ever count an MVP out. Um, Jokic playing some of his best basketball of his career. I think on this note before I talk about the team itself, I think that it's interesting being in Philly and – hearing all this Embiid narrative and then seeing that there's actually a complete separate narrative to the Embiid MVP conversation. People in this sphere think that Embiid's a lock to be MVP. Meanwhile, Jokic is having arguably a better season. People that are fans of teams in the Western Conference and watch West Coast or Western Conference basketball see and appreciate Jokic's greatness. So I think that's interesting before I move on and talk about 
their um, title contention. But in terms of moving forward for the Nuggets, if they get Jamal Murray and MPJ back and they are solid, I mean, it's always a question mark coming off serious injuries. They can be a contender, especially because it's wide open right now. The Warriors are good, are really freaking good with Draymond, but you don't know how that team's going to all gel together. You don't know what it's going to look like. You Steph hasn't been playing great necessarily. Grizzlies are really good. Mavericks are good. So I think they're in a, a second tier again in the West. I don't think they're necessarily a bona fide contender, but I think they could make a run at it with all their guys. So I think that there's so many injuries in the West, but I think when healthy, the Suns are the clear best team, like mm. by far. Right. Like, and they're in a tier of their own, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I think two through six are all, uh, actually, I think two through six minus Utah are all in the next tier <laughs> with Utah at the bottom of that tier. So I think it's Phoenix and then Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Denver, all in a mix, and then Utah, and no one else has a chance. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams, any of those teams could get to the Western Conference Finals, I think, and then they have a puncher's chance. Do you think the Grizzlies could beat those teams in a seven-game series? Probably not. But my only argument against it is they just not their time. It's not their time yet, which is fair. I think it's fair Mm -hmm. argument. Um, I think that the game will slow down immensely in the playoffs and these teams won't turn the ball over as much and won't, they haven't seen a full game plan in the postseason yet. And Mm -hmm. not that, jaw can't be any defense thrown at him but i'm curious to see how he plays in like the chess match where we know cp3 is really good at that for instance we know Jokic is good at that we know luca's good at that you know we know curry's good at that i think it's something that you just have to learn i think they could lose in the first round well if they're the two seed probably not but i wouldn't be surprised if they made one a series or two or lost in the first round either Hmm. I'm on the same page there. I just, I dislike Utah a lot and golden state was my preseason finals pick. So I'm going to have to let it ride, but I think because of it's so open and if they get Draymond, I think it'll be fine. But I think Phoenix is in healthy and in a league of its own. Mm -hmm. I agree. They're so good. Chris Paul will be back soon. Save the day. For real, but it's crazy his postseason. Hey, talk about you always say the Nets are unlucky. His injury luck is is really bad. Mm. And you'll really get to, you'll get to see playoff Harden and not and be happy if it if he does his normal stuff this time around. Boy, will I be happy. <laughs> <laughs> anything anything else around the league that you want to touch on? I'll give a one-liner about uh, when should we worry about the Nets. We shouldn't worry about the Nets until they lose a game at home in the playoffs. I'll say that. If they make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, then we'll worry about them. But I wouldn't worry about them until they lose a game at home in the playoffs, if they do. 
Yeah, I don't think they I think they'll easily beat Charlotte in play in. Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't really worry about Atlanta. And so I think you'll be fine. I think I think you could be any of the teams in the play in, so it should be fine. Mm. Atlanta's weird because in like a one game thing. Trey Young could just go crazy and then it's a shootout and then who knows Mm. like they have Atlanta's the only team that you could say in a one game scenario could have a chance to have the best player on the floor for one night right and then you always have a chance other but I so I think you'll be fine I think you'll make the playoffs and then no one wants to play you in the playoffs so it's fine (laughs) exactly it'll be interesting to see who they play as a as a lower seed and what the atmosphere is like. I mean, Celtics or Sixers, you have a player on one of our three stars used to play on the team and they don't like playing in those arenas. So a lot of, a lot of ifs, nothing new for the Nets, but a lot of ifs. We'll see if it works out. Definitely. It's, it's a fun time. I'm excited for some games coming up and the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's do it. I'm excited. All right. Talk soon. Peace.